Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Weeks and leading up to Christmas, a little bit afterwards, we're talking about the gift that we have from Christ, the gift or the ability to be able to overcome. And uh, so, yes, Youth Connect. Thank you, Matt. Uh, if all those grades seven and upwards, if you'd like to move out now, that would be excellent. Follow Mr. Hannah there. That's great. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate that. And so we've been talking about uh, the various gifts that are available to us in overcoming, and we'll look at that just at a little while. Uh, I just Gil Burton turns 90 today, I believe. So happy birthday, Gil. Uh, great to see you here. And um, look, Sam and I have been sewing our little hearts out, and you'll see a display of sewing out the front there for Christmas. Uh, and if you'd like to partake of those things, the ladies will be out there. It's actually called our Crafty Angels. They've been hard at work through the year. They've got a few things there, so some Christmas presents and those sorts of things. Hey, would you join with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you that you're so interested in our life. We thank you that... Uh, you have proven to us over and over again your faithfulness. And we pray today as we consider the gift of overcoming, uh, the life and the faith that we have in you enables us to overcome. And I pray that we'd understand and see that for us today as we put our faith in you. So Father God, just open our hearts and our minds to your truth. You need to speak, not me. Uh, by your spirit, uh, draw us to yourself and the hope that we have in you. And we pray all this uh, in your son's name. Amen. Sometimes I think it would be nice uh, just to live in denial, just for a little while. Uh, I know it's not a good thing and I know it's really not a, a positive thing, but there are times sometimes where you would just like to take a holiday from reality and just live in denial and to sort of forget about all the worries and all the stresses and all the strains that sometimes life presents to us. Uh, if only we could be happy all of the time. If only we could just be happy all of the time and, and sort of not, no problems, no pressures, no stresses, uh, but just happy all the time. Wouldn't that be good? Well, happiness is certainly something that we all experience. Life is good. God has blessed us with many good things. And so we do enjoy life. There's lots of good things about life. Uh, but happiness has an ugly sibling, <laughs> And uh, sadness is something that also journeys with us through life. We all encounter sadness. And as we remember uh, Elizabeth and Mary, we remember something of Elizabeth's situation previously. And we're going to look at that just so we're up to date with those things. And I'll turn that on and then hopefully that should work. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron, the priest. Both of them were upright in the sight of God. So they were good people doing the right thing. They were obeying the Lord's commandments. Um, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Now, I understand, and it's, um, I'm sure your experience, that God is able to fill all the gaps uh, sometimes life doesn't go well for us, but God is able to step in and fill the gaps. But I sense, uh, certainly for Elizabeth, 
there would have been this ongoing sadness not being able to have children. Culturally at that time it was huge. Uh, And I think that sadness would have sort of been growing on her as she got older and older, uh, realising that perhaps that was something that was never going to happen in her life. And so she experiences this overwhelming, lasting sadness. I think Elizabeth would have known times of sadness too, but as her cousin and having a relationship uh, with, I'm sure Mary shared some of her sadness as well. And that's the thing about sadness. It just surrounds us sometimes. If it's not something that we're going through and we're experiencing, it's someone of our friends or our family. And if that's not enough, there's so much sadness in the world. And so sadness is something that surrounds us. It's someone that journeys with us, unfortunately, almost all of the time. So yes, there are many happy days, many things to rejoice in. God's blessed us. But the reality is sadness can easily dominate our life. There are so many things that can bring sadness and a burden where it just almost overwhelms us and defeats us. And one of the things I suppose is to understand in this is God weeps too. Um, When we talk about sadness, the obvious question is why? Why do those things happen? Why do people have to suffer much? And I don't understand. I don't have the big picture. But God weeps too. And so before we sort of go, God, why you're unfair, we need to understand that God's heart is broken too. This is not the world that God designed it to be. This wasn't his plan. This is how he intended it to be. And so we live in a fallen, broken world, which he will rescue. But at the moment, you and I suffer uh, through, I suppose, living in a broken world. One of the things that Christians, I know you would know this, but we just need to remind ourselves, sadness is not a sin. You don't overcome sadness by having necessarily more faith or being tougher or being stronger. Sadness is something that will be a part of each of our lives. So it's not like you can just have more faith and overcome it that way, sort of annihilate sadness. You'll never do that. You cannot get enough happiness in your life that it's going to sort of show sadness the door. It's not like that. It's not like if I get enough happiness in my life, then there'll be no sadness. Sadness and happiness uh, live together in our lives. Uh, Unfortunate as is, but it's not a sin. It's not a sin. It's not something that we can often change. It's not something that we could do something about necessarily. And so we need to realize that sadness is a part of everyone's life. Now, I would be insane to invite sadness into my life. That would be very silly and insensitive to suggest that we say, come on, sadness, come on in. You're a part of life. I'm just going to get used to you. But there are some aspects of life not going well for us that we do need to pick up on. And one of the things that sadness does is it makes us appreciate the good times. Now, I know this is, we wouldn't even think like this. We just think, oh, that would never happen. But we would never really appreciate anything unless the opposite was also true. And so we'd never really appreciate being well-fed unless we've experienced uh, hunger. We, We never really appreciate having people around us unless we've appreciated loneliness. So life not going well for us, I would never order it. I would never order it for you. But sadness and difficulty and pain has an important part in life in the sense that it can help us to appreciate the good things. The other thing that it does is it draws us back to God. Uh, I know full well that if everything went well in my life all the time, gladly God would get smaller and smaller in my life. 
Uh, Not because I don't believe him or trust him or love him, but it's just human nature. We're all the same. If life just went exactly as we wanted, God would get smaller and smaller. So difficulty draws us back to God. But one of the key things about going through tough times and why we don't enjoy it, but we make the most of it, is the Bible says this, comfort as you've been comforted. And so as you've been through a particular hardship, you are now qualified to help someone else go through that same hardship. There are things that you have been through, cried over, been broken over, devastated by, that now enables you or qualifies you to be able to help other people. And only you can do that. So I'm not suggesting that we say, come on, sadness, come on in. Of course not. That would be foolish. But what we do need to understand is it does have a place and we need to understand that. However, there's a difference about experiencing sadness and overcoming it. In other words, we will never eliminate sadness, but it doesn't have to be the boss of our life. It doesn't have to dominate our thinking because this is what happens. When sadness becomes boss, it robs us of our joy. You see, life is full of happiness and life is full of sadness. But when sadness dominates, it robs us of our joy. We become defeated. We lose our purpose. We lose our skip. We, we, we don't have that sense of joy. And as Christians, we need to realize that joy far gazumps sadness. Because happiness depends on circumstances. And we have no control over that. When my football team wins, I'm happy. When my football team loses, I'm sad. That's life. Uh, But it's dependent on circumstances. But the thing about joy, and this is what we need to understand and how joy gazumps sadness, is joy is eternal. No one can take away our joy because as Christians, our joy is in God. Our faith holds us together. We realize in a sense that in the scheme of things that we can trust God with our life. And so sadness is something that we will not eliminate in our life, but sadness is something that we have to overcome. We don't want it to dominate us because what will happen is it will rob us of our joy. And no one, the Bible says, or no one thing can rob us of our joy. So we need to understand today that even though there is much sadness, and maybe it's a sad time for you right now, There is always joy available to those whose faith is in God. There's always joy available to us. And that's something that we need to realise. How do we get to that point? Well, we need to be overwhelmed by God's big picture. In other words, sometimes we're overwhelmed by circumstances. We could be overwhelmed by what's happening in the world. We could be overwhelmed by what's happening in our kids' life or our family. We could be overwhelmed by what's happening in our life. Just overwhelmed by sadness. But we can turn that around because we've got a God that we can trust and believe and put our life in. And we just need to be overwhelmed by his big picture. What do I mean to be overwhelmed? You and I will never get it. You and I will never understand it. And you will never know how big God's big picture is. So we need to be overwhelmed. What I mean is we need to be in awe of God's big picture, his big plan. We don't bring him down to our level where his plan is a human one that we can sort of understand. But we need to be overwhelmed by God's big picture. Now when we look at Elizabeth and Mary, uh, we look at their situation. Well, yes, it is circumstances. They're both pregnant. Uh, In their mind, this is a great time. 
But one of the things we need to realise is that they have great joy. And although they have happiness now, they're going to encounter sadness because both of these boys that were born to Mary and Elizabeth will die a terrible death. So yes, they're happy now because things are going well, but they're going to be extremely sad when John the Baptist is beheaded and Jesus is crucified. But something that they have that no one can take away is the joy of God. The big picture. He is in control. I can trust him. And the moment that you and I can take ourselves out of our own little small circle and circumstances, and yeah, we're there and it's real and we've got to deal with it, but the moment we can have a view of God's bigger picture, then the sadness doesn't have the same impact. It can still be there, but it doesn't dominate us. And what I want you to take today, our verse of the day, or symbolically, we've got a little memory verse today, to remember in this is this, the baby jumps for joy, (laughs) that sense of the baby leaping for joy. We read it twice in that reading, how uh, while they're still in the womb, they're, they're jumping for joy. Now, there could be all sorts of reasons for their joy. Maybe they just want to get out of there. (laughs) Maybe they're sick of the cramped conditions. Uh, I don't know, maybe Mary and Elizabeth eat sort of weird food and they've got all this indigestion going on, they just want to get out, I don't know. Maybe, if it's anyone's like my wife, they're sick of people coming up and patting their tummy when someone's pregnant and saying, oh, that's not nice. <laughs> maybe they just, maybe they just had enough. I don't know, but for some reason, twice in this passage, Luke says, records that the babies leap for joy. And as we read on, we'll see why. Do you know why they reap for joy? Let's see. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she claimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why was John the Baptist leaping inside Elizabeth's tomb? (laughs) How about we rewind that? (laughs) It's going to take me a long time to get back from there. Why is John the Baptist leaping inside the womb. (laughs) I've only just had a holiday too. I don't know what's going on. It's the first time that he met Jesus. It's the first time that John the Baptist met Jesus. Might have been inside the womb, but he leapt for joy because he came into it. When Mary walked into that room and it was introduced to Elizabeth, the bellies met and John the Baptist is jumping inside the womb because it's the first time he met Jesus. This is how we overcome sadness. We we need to connect with Jesus. For some of you, it's the first time. You might be religious, you might live a good life, you might say, yeah, there's some good and all that sort of stuff, but if you haven't met Jesus, you don't know joy. You can know happiness, but sadness can rob it at any minute. But when you know Jesus, you know joy. And here we have John the Baptist, um, symbolically, whatever you like, leaping for joy inside the womb because the first time he's introduced to Jesus. 
And I thought about that. I thought, here's John the Baptist looking ahead, saying, finally, the plan's coming together. I can see it. He was looking well ahead because he's actually beheaded. But he had this joy because he was introduced to Jesus. He could see the plan coming together. And he realized, he realized that he was a part of God's plan. And so the way that we overcome sadness, uh, the way that we win over sadness, we don't eliminate it. That's part of life. But the way that we overcome it is by connecting to the power of Jesus, connecting to God. And one of the things I think is significant in this is that Mary and Elizabeth were all in. In other words, they had a huge challenge, uh, Mary in particular. And so when Gabriel lives to Mary and says, hey, do you want to be a part of this deal? It's a huge sacrifice for her, just huge, a huge act of faith. So Mary and Elizabeth are all in with God. If we're not all in, we'll never experience his joy. If God's just someone on the side that we pull out every time we're in trouble or whenever we feel the convenient we want to honour God, we'll never know his joy because God doesn't have us. But when we're all in, fully committed to the plan, even though we've got to go through all this rubbish and all this pain, think of Mary, all the stuff that she had to go in, she was all in with God. And because she was all in, she had God's joy. Later on we reach, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in him. <laughs> she was all in, fully committed. And because she was fully committed, she had the joy of the Lord. She had joy because she was connected to God. Now it's this point that we need to make this personal. It's at this point that we just cannot be standing on the outside looking in. You need to understand this. God knows you and cares about you. Not the person beside you or the person behind you or someone else. But God knows you and he cares about you. You need to make it personal. And so you need to make this faith thing personal. It's no good looking at God from a distance. It's no one standing behind someone else's faith. It's no good just bringing God out when he's convenient. This needs to be personal. Jesus needs to be your Saviour and Lord. He needs to be the one that empowers your life and guides you by His Spirit which lives within you. That's what a Christian is. The Spirit of Jesus lives within us, leads, guides and empowers. We're just clay vessels, empty vessels. Stop being religious. Stop trying to be a Christian. Stop trying to do the good things. Stop trying to follow the rules. That's not being a Christian. Being a follower of Jesus is inviting Him into his in your life and the Spirit of God comes and indwells you and empowers you and leads and guides and directs everything you do and say. And when we're all in and understand that we open ourselves up to this personal connection and this personal commitment, then the joy of the Lord rises up and takes over everything. And so here's Mary, if you think about her life and all the things she had to go through. We think about Elizabeth and watching her son being beheaded as a part of this movement of faith. And yet they had the joy of the Lord. And that's how we overcome sadness. That's how we understand. Look how they responded. Mary and Elizabeth were amazed, amazed in a sense by this. And Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. Every essence of her being was given to God. And why? Because God recognized them individually. Look at Elizabeth. This is Elizabeth talking. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
Elizabeth is fully aware that God is personal and he's right in her space. He knows what she's going through. He knows what she's been through. He knows what she's going to get through. And Mary's made it personal. This wasn't some God way out there, but this is, why am I so favoured, God? You're connected with me. And then Mary says the same thing. It's personal. For for he has been mindful of the humble state. From now on, generations will be called blessed through me. So the way that we overcome sadness is to realise this. God knows you, God loves you, and he very much wants to have a personal connection with you in every aspect of your life. Don't be religious, it'll kill you. Don't try and keep the rules. You'll sweat and you'll strive, but you won't know joy. This is not about church, legalism, tradition. This isn't about the (laughs) organisation. Sometimes that can be just toxic, to be honest. But where our joy and our hope comes from is this personal understanding. God knows me and cares me and Jesus died for me. And when we make that personal step of faith where we say, I receive that gift from Jesus, then we become one of his children. In verse 25 and 49, Mary and Elizabeth both said the same thing. For the Lord has done great things for me. Not for the nation, not for the people, but God has done great things for me in my life, in my circumstances. It's personal. And if it's not personal, it doesn't count. If it's not personal, you'll never know joy because religion will kill you. It'll suck every bit of life out of you. Legalism and keeping the rules, it'll just shrivel you up and you'll become a cranky old person like me sometimes. (laughs) I'm cranky at religion. I hate it. I hate tradition. I hate the rules. I hate this sense where we, get, we make it man-made. All this is about is a personal connection to Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. We come in under all sorts of structures and organisations. I understand that. But it's all about this personal connection. So for heaven's sake, don't keep him distant. Don't think it's about being religious. Don't get the wrong idea. This is just about a personal connection with Jesus. This is part of Mary's song. As you read a little bit further in Luke, you'll see another reason how we overcome sadness. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. God is in the process of turning this world upside down. Now, it's still happening, but there's going to be a day in the future where God will put in his spiritual economy. And the way that we overcome sadness is to have a big picture and see that all the things that cause sadness in this world will be removed forever. Everything that causes sadness in this world today will be removed forever when God comes and establishes his kingdom. He'll turn it on its head. The rich will go away empty. He's filled the hungry with good things, symbolically talking about those, all those that are downtrodden, all those that are doing it tough, all those that are pushed down. They will be lifted to the top because in God's economy, it's totally turned on its head. And that's how we overcome sadness. Do you realize this? Sadness is temporary. Sadness is not eternal. 
not just in our own everyday lives where we're happy one day, sad the next, but I mean sadness existing is temporary. There's a time coming when there will be no more sadness. The Bible says no death, no decay, no sickness, no sadness, it says in Revelation. And that's how the big picture enables us to overcome because we realize this mess that we're stuck in now is not forever. And because we're linked to God through our faith in Jesus, we're linked to his new kingdom. And there's a day coming when God will say to the human powers, enough. That's it. No more. There's a day coming when God will say to all human powers and politics and all the rubbish that we go through, God will say, stop, that's enough. And you know there's going to be a a, a sense even spiritually, the demonic powers, the evil. God will say, you've gone this far, but you'll go no further. Enough, stop. That's where we overcome sadness. Yes, it's a part of our life, but we know it's temporary. This life is sitting like sitting in the dentist chair. No offence to any dentists here. If there are, just let me know. I've got a bit of work to be done, so just we can work something out. <laughs> but you know what? I hate sitting in that dentist chair, and I'm sure most of you do. Maybe there are a few odd ones that enjoy it. But you know, when you sit in the dentist chair, there's something good about the dentist chair. We don't live there. You get into it, they do their stuff, they drill and they hack and they hit nerves and all that fun stuff, but you get out of the chair and you go, leap for joy. Yay, I'm out. (laughs) Nothing's better to hear when the dentist said, I don't need to see you again for six or 12 months. Hallelujah. (laughs) When was the last time you ate your dinner in the dentist chair? Do you watch Netflix in the dentist chair? Do you... (laughs) Do you read your book in the dentist chair? No, why? The dentist chair is not our home. We just go in there for a little while and then we escape. (laughs) That's this world. This world is a dentist chair. It's tough, it's awkward, it's difficult, it's painful. But we don't live here. This is not where we take up residence. The dentist chair is not much fun, but it's only temporary. You get to escape and go, yay. There's a day coming when we'll go, yay. Because God will say to all human power, enough is enough, I'll take it from here. There's a day coming when God will say to the demonic powers, enough is enough, you take no further, I'm taking it from here. So sadness is only temporary. And when we realise that, a couple of other things, I'll move quickly. The other way that we overcome sadness is to realise we're a part of something great. (laughs) The greatest and biggest movement in history we're a part of. The greatest thing that's ever happened to the world we're a part of. Look at this because Mary reflects on the legacy here. What's gone on in the past and what's going to happen in the future. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful way back to Abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to his fathers. We are a part of an eternal legacy. From the beginning of time, an eternity past, God had a plan how he's going to rescue this world. From the very, very beginning, God's had a part and he's slowly unveiling, unrolling his plan. Do you know what? If your faith is in Christ and you're part of God's kingdom, you're his child, you're a part of the greatest life-changing event in history. And yes, there's some big names and some heavy hitters, Abraham and people like that, but we're just a part of it. 
And so when all the rubbish comes and sadness comes in and life doesn't go as we want and things aren't going our way, we can either concentrate on that which is temporary or we can lift ourselves up and say, yes, I'm sad, but you can't take away my joy because I'm a part of the greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. I'm aware of the greatest thing. I sort of tried to have a picture of Mary and Elizabeth getting together and she stayed there for three months and I was just trying to count up all the words that would have exchanged between two ladies together, both pregnant. They would have chatted and chatted and chatted and chatted some more. I sort of pictured them with a decaf coffee because they're both pregnant, you know, sitting out in the backyard under the portico, pergola, pergola as they say in America. But I picture sort of Mary and Elizabeth thinking this is incredible. We're a part of God's plan. We're a part of God's purposes. But not only that, he knows me and he cares for me. He knows my inmost thoughts and he cares for me. The God who created the heavens and the earth knows Mary, knows Elizabeth, knows us. I reckon they just would have chatted and enjoyed that wonderful time around a coffee. And I bet every time when they were tempted to go back and be overwhelmed by their sadness... I bet both babies would have leapt for joy inside their tummies, just to remind them. Yes, sadness is a part of life, but we can win over it. We don't have to be overwhelmed because we're a child of God. So we overcome sadness by realising God's got a bigger picture and we're part of it. We overcome sadness by having that personal connection. If God's distant, if he's just someone we pull in every now and then, if you're not all in, you'll never know his joy. You're not all in, you'll never know his love and experience because we need to be all in through good and bad. But we overcome sadness by realising that we're part of something great. And sadness is only temporary, but the love of God is eternal. Let's enjoy it and be with him in it. Let's pray. Going to ask you to make your response will never eliminate sadness but we don't have to be bullied by it we don't have to be defeated by it I like you have had times when I've haven't been able to speak all I could do was cry so sadness is real and it just it can be really cruel almost rips us apart but we don't have to be dominated by it because we know and understand that in Christ we can win. And we win big. So would you make your response this morning? Yes, we'll be happy. Other times we'll be sad. But there's always joy in the Lord. We can always be joyful. Let's stand as we sing together.